Um, very excited to introduce really the next two weeks. Um, we're finishing up uh, what has been a lengthy, but I, I hope you have found to be so powerful series in the book of Galatians. Um, in two weeks, uh, Pastor Galen, uh, the amazing man that he is, is going to bring this series to a, to, a, to a close. This week, though, we've got one of uh, the real sons of this house. Uh, if I had to, there's a short list of people that you could say have really grown up, not just from, from being little, but to real men in this household. And Barnabas Willis is one of those men. I mean, he came here, came to Jesus in this, in this church, in this college ministry when Morgan was here, spent five years as a campus minister, a missionary. Four of those years was the director of the, of the uh, program. And let me tell you, one of those years was 09, and that was not an easy year. But I'll tell you, this man is a man of, of courage. He is a man of conviction. He is a man of honor. And he stood in there and served and worked faithfully through all of that. There was never a moment where you'd look over there and he wasn't where he was supposed to be doing. Had the opportunity to walk through him over the the course of his marriage in the first few years. Time and time again, this is a man of integrity, a man of strength and a man of courage. And so I want you all to help me welcome him here today as he brings the word today. Barnabas (laughs) Wilkes. Good morning. Good morning. I'm really uh, excited and humbled to get the opportunity to share God's words with you this morning. Um, it's, it's been just a wonderful journey being a part of this community. You, all of you are just wonderful to me, and I, I love all of you so much. I've seen this church just grow exponentially and seen God just do so much in us and through us as a, as a body, and it's been amazing. You know, and, and I'd like just to take a quick moment and the leaders in our house didn't, didn't ask me to do this, but I, I do want to recognize the leaders in our, in our house. You know, uh, I've known Morgan uh, and his family along with Pastor Brett and his family for a number of years. I've been part of this church for about 14 years now. And, th- and these men have been integrous. These men have, have been holy. And these men have just stood in the gap for us for well, well over a decade, praying for us, believing for us. And I'm not saying that they're perfect. I'm not here to, to lift them up on some type of pedestal. But I, I, it would be, we'd be hard-pressed to find uh, men more, more integrous than them. The, the same goes for, for John and, and Galen. These two men have walked me through so many different things. My personal walk with Jesus, my marriage, and my life. And as many, many of you may, may know, has helped this church in a, in, a, in a great amount of ways. And for that, I'm very grateful. We're a blessed church. Amen? Bless church. Let's take a brief moment to pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your sovereignty and your your perfect will. Thank you for your grace and your mercy towards us. And I pray that today that you would speak your word. We pray that you would just move me out of the way and let your your spirit move forth and accomplish what it's set forth to do. So we trust in you. We give it to you. And we thank you, Lord, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. For those of you who have not been with us over the last few, few weeks, we've been going through a, a series called Sons and Daughters. And during the series, we've really been touching on the central message of what Apostle Paul is communicating with the churches in Galatia. And really that, that message is, is that God loves us, God accepts us based on our faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, nothing else. 
And during the time of, of this letter that he's writing to the churches in Galatia, there's all these things are going on. Religious groups are trying to convince the, those in, in, in those churches that instead of Christ plus nothing, Christ plus customs and religious traditions. And some people, based on these, these motives, were led, led astray and, and convinced to trade in their sonship for slavery. And so, so today, I'd like to touch on a few things. There's so much we can pull from the scripture today. But in, in Galatians 6, starting with verse 7, we're touching on a few things. And, and this is how it reads. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, or from the flesh, reap corruption. But the one who sows in the spirit, or from the spirit, reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially of those of the household of faith. You know, it's, it's a wonderful thing, and I, I really want to touch on a few things. Our deception, our destiny, and our deliverance. You know, and, and if we were to be honest with ourselves... We can't escape that in the scripture, Apostle Paul is trying to touch on really an agricultural principle that has stand the test of time. Sowing and reaping. It's simple. We reap what we sow. We get out of something what we put into it. And so sometimes this principle is, is highly overlooked. And it, we have to admit that this causes us to ask, what kind of seeds are we sowing in our lives? What are we doing? Because I know many of us, and I bet if we were to be honest, we're not really satisfied or happy about certain areas of our lives. And so often we, we begin to think that the enemy is against me. God is testing me. But I think this scripture is highlighting the aspects that so many times we overlook. You know, it's interesting that, you know, we make this mistake of, of believing that for some strange reason that we won't, we won't reap what, we, what we've sown. That for some strange reason, maybe even we'll reap something totally different than what we've sown. How does that happen? And, you know, the truth is, is that we, we get deceived. And there's this scripture, and this is, this is something that stood the test of time. This is the beginning. This is nothing new. This isn't something that just came up last month, some new trend that we see on the, on the television screen or in our newspapers. This is before the beginning of time, before, before the earth and heavens were here. This principle stood. In Genesis chapter 1. Verses 11 through 12, it says this, And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is in their seed, is their seed, each according to its kind on earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. The fruit of your life is a direct result of the seed that you've planted. And, and we, have to, we have to, let's be honest, people. And can I be real with you this morning? Can I, can I be me this morning? Is that okay? We got any college students in the house? We got some college folks? Yes, we got, we got three. We got three. We'll take it. We'll take it. So, you know, if, for those of you who've been out of college for a while, we like to sleep in, stay up late the night before, and, and then, you know, show up to the second service fashionably late. Um, that's all right. So now my students, my two that are here, um, if you don't study for an exam, you probably won't pass. 
I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I'm sorry if I burst your bubble and quench the spirit right now, but I just got to be honest with you today. So I know you love Jesus, and I know you lead small groups, and I know that you're preaching to your classmates, and that's good. That's awesome. That's amazing. I applaud you. But if you put your hands on the cover of that textbook and pray that the Lord will somehow download the knowledge from those books into your brain like the Matrix, which, into your unstudied brain, if you lay your hands on the pages and anoint it with oil, and you do not pick up that book and read those chapters, you are going to flunk that test. I'm sorry to break the news to you. You reap what you sow. And don't get me wrong, I'm guilty. I've been that morning where I pulled an all-nighter, and I, and I got up in that morning with two hours of sleep. Lord, please, please. When I got those red marks back on that test, I learned my lesson. Many of us remember the, the story here in the, in the news a couple of weeks ago, a gentleman by the name of Tommy Woodward. This happened in Orange, Texas. He was at a marina, and there was a sign that says, no swimming, alligators. Pretty clear? Uh, he, he wanted to swim anyway. Now, let's, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. My wife can ask me to go kill a bug, and I get hesitant, okay? I mean, and, and, and I'm literally, like a week ago, I had a shoe in my hand, like, wait a minute. I, I, I don't know, baby, it's big, it's big. I think it flies. So... So when I see somebody who want to go play with an alligator, that just, that just baffles me. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked right now. And, and, and so that concept alone is, just, just, is over my head. I'm sorry. I, you won't catch me a thousand feet near an alligator. It could be a stuffed alligator that you won at, at Dave and Buster's. I'm not going to touch it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, and I, and I don't mean to poke fun. This, this is a very sad story, but it's an indicator of where we are, not only as, as, as just a culture and in the world, but just as people. So Tommy Woodward goes to this marina, and he sees this sign. He had a friend with him, and, she, and he's getting ready to go jump in this water, and, and she's begging him, no, don't go in, don't go in. There's, alligators, there's 12-foot alligators there. Don't do it. Don't do it. His response was, blank those alligators. Dives in, and then within moments, his life is gone. They find his body hours later. And we can look at that, and we can say, that's ridiculous, right? I'd never be so stupid. But then if we were to self-examine our lives, we'd find that there's a lot of areas in our life where we've done the same. You know, is, is this, why are we surprised that when we willingly enter into what we just go into, we just decided that this is what I want for my life. And when it begins to destroy us, we begin to cry out to God for help. We begin to get upset because we think God is punishing us. We begin to think that maybe the enemy is attacking us. But the truth of the matter is that we willingly went into somewhere where there was really neon signs saying, don't go. And then we're, we're upset and we, we're, we're surprised when we find the, the corpses of our damaged souls floating in the waters of deception. We ask the question, why? I ask the question, what did you sow? We have to be honest with each other. We have to be honest with ourselves. If we believe that God's word is not true, then we do things like that. And, and I'm not trying to, 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 to kick you while you're down. Or, I'm just being honest. See, God's word stands true. He said he will not be mocked. These principles were here before the beginning of time. Do we think that just because we place our faith in Jesus that all of a sudden these principles go away? Do we believe that they don't apply to us? I'm the exception to the rule. God loves me. I am his favorite. (laughs) 
I hate to break it to you, but because you're a Christian doesn't make you an exception to the rule. Because you've, you, you know God doesn't mean that you won't reap what you've sown. We often say that we're going through trials and, and tribulations. We're going through these struggles. Pray for me, right? And I'm not saying that we don't do that. And there's times where we are going through tri- trials and tribulations. There are times where God does test us. So I will not neglect to, to mention that that is true. But more often than not, the pain that we go through is self-inflicted. That are brought about as a result of our poor decisions. And we have to come to terms with this. I have to be honest, if, you, if it's around 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a, on a Monday through Friday and you walk across the street when the light is green, you are going to get hit by a car. I'm sorry. Why can't we apply that no-brainer type of attitude to our spiritual lives? I like to to really see how Paul apply, applies this in, 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 when, when it relates to our destiny. I mean, it's a really, really simple principle, but let's look at verse, verse 8. Because Paul, Apostle Paul goes on to apply the agricultural principle to the reaping what is sown. And in, in verse 8, he does say that for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. We, there's a really reality we have to face, that our decisions determine our destiny. And we have to be honest with ourselves because we see that earlier in the, in the book of Galatians, these communities and these churches are torn apart because of ethnic rivalries and social competition. Paul's addressing that because he sees it. And it wasn't just for them then, in that time, it's, it's for us today. It still happens right now in our backyard. So what are we going to do about it? See, it's, it's, over, it's easy to overlook these seemingly small things in our lives, right? A little bit of thoughts here and there. You know, it's okay for me to think about an old boyfriend or girlfriend. Huh? Not a big deal. A little click or two on a website. No harm, no foul. It's a magazine. No damage, right? Well, and not until... Years down the road, months down the road, we find ourselves waking up to somebody who's not our husband or wife. We wake up and we're addicted to pornography. We wake up and we see the relationships that are closest and dear to us destroyed because of our actions. Our actions. And we can point the finger and the blame all that we want, but the truth is is that we had a vital role to play. This is so important for us to get. And what's interesting, Proverbs 19.3, you won't see it on the screen, but feel free to jot it down. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Isn't it ironic how we confuse the consequences of our actions with God's punishment? We think that he's mad at us because we didn't do it exactly the way he asked us to. We think that he's upset and he, he's allowing his, his wrath to come upon us. When the truth of the matter is that there's a cause and an effect. There's a seed time and a harvest time. And if we are struggling, maybe we should ask the question, what have we sown? It's hard, isn't it? It's difficult. You know, what do you do when your wife tells you, I feel like you give everything to your place of work and your job, but when you go home, I get your leftovers. 
Been there. Been there. Show up to work, coffee in hand, ready to go. No matter what's going on in my, 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 my personal world, no matter that person who cut me off on my way to work that I wanted to yell something that wasn't unholy, no matter what's going on in my world, I show up ready to work. How much more should I give that to my family? How much more should I greet my wife in love after a long day in work, scoop up my baby girl in my arms and show her that her father loves her? How much more is that important? How more vital is my, my, my legacy and my lineage? Now, don't get me wrong, work hard. But family gets the best of you. God gets the best of you. So why are we surprised when we wake up years later after, after ignoring our daughters, not, not giving them the, 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 showing them God's fatherly heart? Why are we surprised when they begin to seek affirmation in relationships with other men, ungodly men, who want to use the void in their hearts that you actually ignored to satisfy their sinful desires? Why are we shocked when we show up to work day after day late, taking long lunches, not owning up to the responsibility of what's been entrusted to us, that that promotion never comes to us? Why are we surprised? We reap what we sow. I know it's hard. You know, sowing into the, our own flesh is really just giving in to that sinful uh, indulgence that we, we so desire. It's true. We have to be honest that it's there. To ignore it, ignore it would be ignorant and foolish. We have to understand that there is something going on behind the scenes that we have to address. And Apostle Paul realizes that. He sees that and he's challenges, uh, challenging us as a church to don't ignore it, but address it. So what does it mean to sow into the spirit? It means this, serving one another in love, restoring one who has been caught in sin and carrying the burdens of others. It's something that Morgan mentioned last week in his message. That's what it means to to give our lives for others. That's what it means to to, to allow God to heal these areas of our lives, to allow him to touch us from the inside out so we can be led by the spirit and not by our fleshly desires. Your destiny doesn't have to be one that's dim and dark because God has promised to give us a hope in the future. And we can embrace that, can't we? Some of you in this, are sitting in this very room and maybe you think you've gotten it all figured out. Maybe you, you feel like, I know what God has required of me and I, I urge you and I encourage you with fear and trembling in my heart and soul to look in the cracks and crevices of your heart and see the areas that God is putting his finger on. Because so many have fallen because they haven't done so. There's some of you in this, this place today that maybe you don't know, know Jesus. Maybe you, you have no desire to know Jesus because you've seen what broken people who claim to know Jesus, the damage that they can do. Why is it that, that we could have ministers that touch children inappropriately? Why is it that we could have leaders proclaiming Jesus step out on their wives? I don't think they understood this principle that those little bitty things, those little bitty seeds that were sown had a ripple effect in their lives. And to, to those of you who've been hurt and scarred, I sincerely say I'm sorry. The church, we failed you in so many ways because we have not taken the time to cross-examine a condition of our hearts so that we can live holy and pure and love God. 
We haven't taken the time to know that we need to sow into spiritual things in order to advance God's kingdom and see his will be brought here on earth. We fell. We fell. But you know, there's hope. What do we do now? We're not here because we're perfect. We're not here because we have it all figured out. We're here because we're broken. We're here because we need God. We need an answer. We need someone. And God has answered our cry. He's answered our plea, even though we don't deserve it. We deserve corruption. We deserve to be destroyed in death. But God has promised to be our deliverance. Galatians 6 9 As we read earlier, said, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. This is a verse and it it won't be on on, on the screen, but I I was seeing it this morning and and I I just, it it tugged at my heart. It's from John 4, verses 35-38. It says, do not say they, they are yet four months. Do you not say that there are yet four months then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows, another one reaps. I sent you to reap for that you which, which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. See, healing in our relationships takes work, right? It takes labor toil and pain. And the truth of the matter is that we don't have the power to heal. We don't have the power to restore and make up for what we've done wrong. We can't take back those seeds we've sown. That time has gone away. But we can turn our eyes to the ultimate healer. We can turn our eyes to the one who restores. We can turn our eyes to the one who gives us grace to live by the spirit and not by the flesh. The one who's labored before us. The one whose blood trickled down so that we can know him so that we could be free, so that we could be sons and daughters and not slaves. Our deliverer came so that these relationships could be healed and restored, not only our relationships with one another and the outside world, but our relationship with God. There's hope. And so there's many of you that are in this room today that are struggling, and you hear a message like this, and you think back to those moments and those times where you failed miserably. You think back to those times where you sown seeds that you see the detriment. I've been there. I look back to my, in my marriage, and, and I, I'll be transparent. Most of you have heard my story on, on a couple occasions. Is that the first year of our marriage was tough. My wife will tell you she has nothing to hide. We didn't think we were going to make it. And when I look at why is my wife upset with me? Why is she angry with me? Why is she not experiencing the joy that God's called her to in this wonderful covenant? When a husband sees harshness and the lack of love into his wife, what else would you expect? You expect that somehow, some way, you can be harsh and mean and unloving and all of a sudden, this miracle's going to happen, your marriage is going to be beautiful and wonderful? Not true. The same goes for all of our relationships. But thanks be to God for his grace and his mercy. Thanks be to God for showing us that he is the healer and that he can, he can uproot those, those dirty, rotten plants that we have allowed to grow in our lives, those weeds that are choking out life and all of our relationships. He can pluck them out and plant a new seed, an incorruptible seed that gives us a harvest of righteousness and truth. We have to persevere. God won't 
simply do it for us. He has in the, in, the, in the respect that he died on the cross and shed blood for us to forgive us for our sins. But we play a part. He says, enter into the labor. We are a part of this story. We are, are a part of this, this, this effort into restoring and seeing healing in our lives. What will you do? I encourage all of us that we would seek him with all of our hearts. That we would know that he's a gracious God who loves us and forgives us and heals us. We can embrace that deliverance. We can know God in a, in a powerful way. We can see these relationships that were broken be restored. We can see it happen if we trust in him. If we, if we believe that what he said in his word is true. He doesn't lie to us. He cares for us. Will you believe it? We have to. There's no other choice. I want to leave you with a closing thought and and then I want us to pray. So in, in verse 10, this is, what, this is what Apostle Paul says. He says, then, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See, Paul is motivating this perseverance. He's motivating us, encouraging us, because he knows that we grow faint. He knows that we get tired. How many of you have been tired? We all have. My wife has. I have. Those moments where you feel, I can't do it anymore. I want to give up. That's, that's when those moments, the, the D word comes out, right? You know what I'm talking about. You married folk know what I'm talking about. That's when those moments where we want to abandon our, our families. That's when we begin to disrespect our, our families or we begin to be harsh towards our children. That's when we begin to see these relationships be destroyed because we get tired. And we depend on our own strength and our own ability to get us through. When we've done that in the past, it's failed time and time again. But Apostle Paul is encouraging us. Don't give up. Do good. The world needs you. Jamie mentioned it earlier today that the world is dying and in need of us to be healthy and whole. In desperate need of us to be seekers of God's presence. Sowing seeds that are going to yield a harvest to bring about his will. So what are we going to do about it? Are we going to sit back? Woe is me. I'm tired. Are we going to go to the cross? Are we going to pray and seek God? Are we going to know that he's faithful even when we're faithless? Can we believe in him and trust him? We belong to Christ. We're his family. And these verses are not to encourage us to, 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 to not sow into the world that, of, that are not believers because obviously you heard Brett talk about our efforts in, in, in Mexico. We, we love doing that. God has called us to be missional. God has called us to serve. We are often the, the miracle that most people will ever see in their lives. God using us. But he's also saying that, you know what? The body needs you. The church needs you. And we can go and we could, we, could, we could raise funds. We could build homes for, for, the, for the homeless. These are wonderful things. Let's do those things. But if our brothers and sisters are in our backyard struggling, woe be to us. Shame on us. Let's not forget about those that are right next to us. I want to invite our, our worship team up to. We're going we're gonna to sing, and, and I want to invite all of you to stand with me if you would. There's, there's so much, so much I wanted to, to share this morning. There's so much that, that God has in these scriptures. And when we get up here each, each week, when Morgan gets up here and all the other uh, teachers in his house, 
our goal is not to just to have you experience this one-time encounter to give you all the information you'll need to have a happy life. If you walk out this door and you don't have a desire to, to seek God in his word, I failed you. I failed you. So my hope is that you would seek God with all of your heart. Would you, would you take a moment to, to examine your, your life even now? I know there's struggling marriages in this house. There's parents that have given hope on their kids. There's people in here that have lost a loved one. Maybe you're even angry with God. You think he punished you. You think he's angry with you? I'm here to tell you he's not. He loves you so much. So much. And I'm begging you. Can we be honest for a, for a moment? I want us to just close our, our eyes it's just for a moment. And if you feel like the Lord spoke to you today, if you feel like the, the verses in the, in the word and, and has, has poked and probed as something very serious in your heart, there's these seeds, these corruptible seeds you've planted. You see the weeds growing in the soil of your heart. You see areas of your life that are, have been destroyed because of decisions you've made. Maybe out of ignorance, maybe out of selfish, selfishness, maybe you have enough, out of a broken heart. There's hope for you. If, if you feel like that applies to you, I want to invite you just to come to the front right now. We want to pray for you. We want to believe God to touch you where you are, but not leave you there. We want to believe God to, to show you how you can sow into the spirit because he, he, he believes in you. Will you believe in him? Father, I just, I just lift up these, these souls to you today. I thank you for these wonderful people, your children, your sons, and your daughters. And we pray that you would just touch and heal their hearts right now, Lord. That, Father, the seeds that have been sown deep into the soil of their hearts just wreaked havoc on their lives, attacked their minds, their families their communities. Would you heal them today, Lord? Would you heal them today? And I was just reminded as Barnabas preaching there, the reality is that we have all sown seeds of destruction that ought to be reaping death as a result. The beauty of what Barnabas is preaching to us today is this, that Jesus, who's the only human being who ever sowed only seeds of righteousness, chose to go in our place on our behalf and reap the death that you and I deserved. And so when we sing this song that says, I am not alone, you will go before me. You will never leave me. When we begin to live life out of that truth, that we are not alone, that when we've made bad choices, wrong choices, sinful choices, that God is a loving father. To his sons and daughters, he looks down and yes, he corrects and yes, he rebukes out of Love, but he never looks at us and says, I can't believe you. What a mess. He looks down and he says, that was paid for. That was paid for. You belong to me. And it's out of that heart that looks to a loving God and says, oh God, how good have you been to me? How gracious have you been to me that we can stand and say, there is therefore no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. That if God is for us, who can be against us? That greater is he that lives in us than he that's in the world. That no weapon formed against us shall prosper. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so as we dismiss here today, I'm going to just close us out with a prayer that God would not, would, I, we, we thank him for the conviction. Thank you for conviction. But he, uh, he would help us to walk out of this place, not in condemnation, but with a hope that says, if God is for us, man, no matter what choices I've made in the past, no matter what consequences I'm reaping today, God is bigger. God is greater and his word is more true than any other word that you or I have ever believed. So Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace that covers, your love that covers a multitude of sins. Lord, that that could come into our messy situations and the choices we've made seeking our own self-preservation, our own glory, our own pleasure, our own fulfillment. Lord, you can step into the midst of that and by the blood of your son, redeem and reconcile and make all things new. Thank you. The resurrection of Christ guarantees that death and destruction do not have the last word in our lives today. That we can walk out of this place, yes, convicted of where we might need to make different choices. We might need to pursue you more diligently and more passionately, but we do not have to walk out of here with condemnation because the blood of Jesus speaks a louder word than our shame and our guilt and our fear and our condemnation. We thank you for the love you've given us as sons and daughters. Help us to live that out today in Jesus' name. Amen.